Let's pray, Lord Jesus, we come before you, the one who sits on the throne. Lord, you sit on a throne because your work has been completed, this redemptive work and plan completed and is held securely in who you are, the preciousness of your blood, the preciousness of your coming, the preciousness of your words spoken to us that even today we will be sitting at a table with. So Lord, may your word produce a hunger and a thirst within us for more of you. And Lord, I thank you on this day that we can come before you and we can trust you. We can trust you with all of our heart because Lord, we love you with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Lord, we praise you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. All right. December 31st, 2023. How many are really glad that it is finally the last day of this year? All right. All right. Now I got to ask, please tell me someone that has had a good year this year. I mean, that, okay, good, good. Now that's good. No, but it is, it's a great honor and a privilege for us to be able to sit inside of this day. And when we do that, I want us to use this moment. We realize that God is a God of eternity. So tomorrow doesn't become any different kind of a day for him. The sun will rise because of his faithfulness and it will set just like it did on today. But for us, it has that feeling of reflection, of remembering, of also setting forth a a trajectory Um, starting tomorrow in a a new year. So I want us to embrace that, not fight that. And I I learned of a rule this um, just yesterday that I didn't know existed, but I resonate with it. And it's called the 160 rule. How many um, um, people who like to fly planes and stuff that understand the 160 rule in here? Have you ever heard of the 160 rule? All right, I promise I didn't make this up because I could have made it up and you wouldn't have known any different. The 160 rule is this, that the 160 rule is a navigation shortcut um, from an aviation world. Simply put, if a plane's heading is off by one degree, that after 60 nautical miles, the aircraft will be a mile off course. That aviation rule is a perfect warning, not just for the air, but also for our lives. Often the places that are undesirable that I end up in, in my life, are arrived because of an unchecked shift in my thinking or living that at the time seemed very harmless and only one simple degree. And there's nothing greater that our enemy or our flesh want us to believe is that one degree doesn't make a difference. It's not going to change anything. It's okay. But personally, when I reflect on this and I've thought about this, my one degree shift of off course can often be traced to one main thing. And that is this. Simply put, I forgot Jesus. It's not that I was in this full-out rebellion. It's more that I kind of closed my eyes to him for what seemed to be even just a moment. But if left uncorrected, my life proves this to be true. If left uncorrected, that moment becomes a day. 
And that day becomes a week, and that week becomes a month, and that month becomes a pattern in my life of sin. The apostle Peter understood the importance of growing in knowledge and experiencing Jesus, and he also understood how quickly we can do this one word, forget. The older I get, the more word that means to me. The more, don't ask, the more my wife hears me say all the time, I forgot, I'm sorry. It usually is followed by I'm sorry after I say I forgot. I forgot, I'm sorry. It's like one word for me. In First Peter, in First Peter, Peter writes encouragement to the Christians that were under persecution. But in Second Peter, and that's where we're going to be today, he's equipping the believers with truth against false teachers and toxic influencers. All right, so there, that's where he is. And Peter clearly states what his purpose is in this um, second letter in his first chapter, verses 12 through 15. Let's read that together so you can understand where Peter is coming from, okay? Ch- um, verse 12 says this, Therefore, I intended always to, say it with me, remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. In other words, it's already there. I'm just having to remind you of something you already know. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of what? Reminder. Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. This morning, we're going to look at the first 11 verses of this first chapter in 2 Peter. So because false teachers were surrounding the believers of that day, Peter wanted to stir them up and stir up their hearts through reminding them things that they already knew. For me to forget something means what? That I knew something. All right? And that's what's happening here. He wants to remind them of the truth that will arm them to be able to stand the forces of these false teachers and toxic things that are around them. So on this last day of 2023, I want us to look in the mirror. I wish I could have had, you know me and my props. I would have loved to have had a mirror in every single chair this morning, but I'm going to let the Holy Spirit be your mirror today, all right? So I want you to look in the mirror of your own lives. And let's let the Apostle Peter's last words stir our hearts today with what is true so that we don't forget. So even before we begin, will you be so bold to ask the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do within you this morning? Psalm 51 says this, create in me a clean heart. Who can do that? I can't. (laughs) He can create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So if you will join me and take an honest look back over these last 365 days of your life and ask this question, are there places in my life where I have forgotten Jesus? Where are those one degree moments That 365 days later is more than one degree in your own life. Because if we're not careful, 
What began as one degree on January the 1st will become complete blindness by December the 31st. So with the mirror of the spirit in hand, here's your first question to place before your heart. Have you forgotten that salvation is a precious gift of God? It's things you know, right? But have you forgotten that? The redemptive story of salvation has God's grace at its core. God's riches at Christ's expense. Say that with me. God's riches at Christ's expense. Do you remember that God's gift of grace is received by faith in Christ alone and not of your works? There is such freedom to remember this simple truth that is the foundation of the gospel. It is nothing because of or from me. And it is everything that is because of and from my Jesus. Listen to the first two verses of how Peter brings to the forefront Jesus, the author and the finisher of such a saving faith, so that he is magnified. Peter wants to make sure that Jesus is never to be assumed or forgotten. Those first two verses read like this. Simon Peter, a servant of an apostle, an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Jesus, our Lord. Peter begins with a powerful truth, and that is this. Jesus is God, Savior, and Lord. And I want you to think about that. Because as God, Savior, and Lord, Jesus is perfect in his righteousness to save completely and eternally. Completely and eternally. Our Savior, he calls us by name. It's not this cattle call. He knows our name and he calls us by name and he knows us, but it doesn't stop there. But because he's also Lord, he has made a way for us to know him, that we can call him by name. He saved us from an unholy relationship with sin and he saved us to a holy relationship with himself. As I grow in knowing him more and more and more as my Savior and as my Lord, there comes within me a flowing of joy that is experienced, not known about, but experienced a real joy from the inside out. And his multiplied, the verse says it, his grace and his peace is multiplied. Only he can do that. And Peter says another powerful thing in this this first verse. To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ. The apostle Peter is saying this. Your faith, even today, is speaking to us. Your faith has the same precious quality and same precious privilege as mine. Yes, 
I walked, I talked, I shared meals with Jesus. Yes, I witnessed firsthand his miracles. I was there on the Mount of Transfiguration and was one of the first to see the empty tomb. But your saving grace, everyone in this room who is redeemed of the Lord, your saving faith is the same as my saving faith. Why? Because we have the same righteous Savior. The same one. Paul said it this way in Galatians 3. For you are all sons of God. How? Through faith where? In Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized where? Into Christ. Have clothed yourself with Christ himself. On the inside and the outside, right? There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all, set with me, one in Christ. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. So I want you to do this for me. I want you literally to look around this room for the people sitting in front of you, behind you, and beside you. I need to see your heads moving. All right? Listen. You may not know them or you may be related to them and still not know them. (laughs) You you may not know the people sitting beside you. You may know them very well. It does not matter. Because whether you have seen a child or a senior adult, whether you have seen a homeless person or a CEO, whether you have seen... A person working the adult entertainment industry or someone that is in the pulpit. When we, whoever we are and whatever we have done, when we experience the saving grace of Jesus, he immediately puts us and puts our feet on the exact same standing ground before him. You don't have to try to find it. He has placed your feet there. So many times we are trying to get into a room he has already placed us in. How does he do that? Because of, through, and in his righteousness, not our own. Our lives are to display this beautiful, simple truth that salvation is a gift, a precious gift of God. So as the mirror is in front of your face, in this last year, have there been moments that you have remained, that have remained uncorrected when you have forgotten this truth? So in the mirror, do you see one who has grown in self-reliance more? If so, it, you might be looking at someone's reflection who's, who's listened to pride's voice and it's saying everything that you deserve. You might have found yourself comparing yourself to others, always ending in either self-pity or self-boasting. You may... Think about your time and your schedule. And you think, when is the last time I have prayed? When is the last time I've opened up his word that I could know him? 
But if you've remembered this truth, that salvation is a precious gift of God over this last year, or maybe even you've come to know Christ this year so everything is new and fresh in your life, you're looking in the mirror and the Holy Spirit is showing you that you have grown in a reliance upon Christ. And because of that, you see humility that's not something that you try to check a box off in, but it is a natural response inside of your life. It's rooted itself. You found that your love for God and people have increased, not decreased. And you hunger and you thirst to know Christ more and more, not just on Sundays, but seven days a week, wanting to know him more and more. That's question one. Question number two is this, with a mirror of the Holy Spirit in front of you. Have you forgotten that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus? First Peter um, 3 and 4 of that first chapter, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 says this. This is a lot of words, so I'm, hang with me. Okay, There's so much here. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to what? Life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. So that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. I believe that one of the greatest deceptions of the enemy that he wants us to believe and live inside of is this, that Jesus came to improve you. Satan is very content for us to believe that Jesus came simply to be added to our lives, not to become our life. We have to come to terms Even if you have been a believer for 30, 40 years, this is still a a, a, a bait that, that is in front of us. We have got to come to terms with there is nothing good in us worth improving. Nothing. If there were, think about it. I love thinking through these things. If there was one morsel of something that was good in me, that means that I, there is a possibility that I could save myself. There's a possibility that I could put something before the Lord and say, but this little thing's good. Let me into your heaven. And worse yet, we would think that we could save each other. Right? There is nothing good within us. You and everyone, including me, since Adam and Eve were born, breathed our first breath with and in sin. The truth is this, that without Christ, I am and will always be dead in my sin. Sin begets sin, not righteousness. That is the problem we cannot solve and we try. Jesus' redemptive plan for your life was not to improve you. He is doing something far greater. He came to create a new creation in you. 
He came to make a creation of you, not of sin, but of God. That is a crazy thought, right? But God so loved you. Jesus came to us fully God and became fully man. He lived on this earth perfectly without sin, but on the cross, he bore all of our sin. He was crucified with our sin. He took our sin to the grave. He was resurrected from the dead by God himself and left sin buried in the grave. Why did he do this? Verse 3 and 4 help us to understand that, that we just read. And I could preach on each one of these, it seems like, for hours because there's endless joy inside of each of these things. But I'm going to have to just leave you with a gloriously overwhelming list, all right? These are all inside of these two verses. Listen, he came so that he could call us to his own glory and his own excellence. He came so that his divine power would give us all things needed for a godly life. He is the source for the godly life. Our service is not the source. Working and clocking hours at House of Hope or Agape or Merritt Island Christian School is not your means. He is your source for everything that is a godly living. He came so that he could give and fulfill his precious and very great promises to us. All promises are fulfilled in Christ Jesus. Verse 4 says this. He came so that he could, so that we, I'm sorry. He came so that we could be a partaker of the divine nature. Listen, when we place our faith in Christ, his life becomes our life. Now it is Christ in me, Christ in me, that is able to live a holy and pleasing life unto God. Apart from Christ, I cannot do that. Christ in me will be the one who bears forth the good fruit of his spirit of love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We know the list well. We've colored the pages well, right? And we've hung them on the wall well. But I'm afraid we've never really experienced Christ's spirit's fruit of that. We've created artificial plastic fruit in our lives and called it that. But may it be his fruit, if it's his fruit, it's going to be his life that bears it forth through my life. That's why he came. So that's even possible. Who Jesus is in heaven is who Jesus is in me on this earth. This is the Christ life, and this is the life we've been called to. And the last thing in that verse, it says, He came so that you could no longer be a partaker of sin's corruption. Can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. 
okay. Listen, maybe this will bring forth a greater hallelujah in you. Sin used to control me. Did it used to control you? I was a sinner who sinned because that's who I was. I was a sinner. But because Christ is now my life, sin is no longer my master. And it is by grace and, by, and through faith I have a new master who loves me. And who cares for me just like a shepherd cares for his sheep. And as I am still in this world, I'm still going to have these one degree moments in my life. And I'm even going to have prodigal son moments in my life where I end up in a pig pen. But my Savior and my Lord stands ready to remind me of whose I am. To forgive me, to stand on that porch, and when he sees me returning, running to me, to walk me back to the place that I am called to be, and that is home. And to say, welcome home, my son. Paul has a verse that sums up this truth for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone... If anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new improvement. No, it's not a 2.0 of you. A new creation. The old has gloriously passed away. And in that tomb, behold, the new has resurrected and has come. So with the understanding that Christ is my life, let's read these next verses that Peter say. And let's do it with a victory. That it is his life in me that lives these things through me. First, Second Peter 1, 5 and 7. Read with me. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. These qualities, these lists, and the other lists that exist in God's word are not checklists for you to prove to Jesus that you love him. If this list, anything on this list, is an evidence of faith in my life and is growing, there is only one for whom we can boast, and that is Jesus' life in me bearing it forth. Think about your last year. Were these qualities present and increasing in your life? Or are these words foreign words to you when you think about your last year? Peter goes on to tell us about the life where these are present and increasing. Verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to add some more to that list of one who remembers that they are a new creation in Christ. If we remember that we are a new creation in Christ, our days are filled with freedom and confidence. Why? Because we know that we are freed from sin. We finally have a permission and a strength and a power to say no to sin. To look at sin and say, you once were my master, but you are no longer. I say no to you. But it also gives us the the ability and the freedom to know, to worship, 
to serve our God who created us. There is a confidence. We don't walk around worrying. There is a confidence in his sovereignty, his might, his word that it is true. We are satisfied and content. Has this been a year that you have been satisfied and contented in where you are and what God has you? It may feel like everything is in neutral. It may even feel like you're going backwards. But are you satisfied that God is in control? Are you satisfied that you are known by him and not forgotten by him? The one who remembers they are a new creation in Christ will be satisfied where he has them. And then also our eyes see in a different kind of a way. The view of our eyes of one that knows their, the new creation doesn't use the old set of eyes. The new creation sees from eternal perspective. That's how we can go through the hardest of days and wars and rumors of wars. And that's how we can have hope and faith inside of everything else that the voices are saying is all falling apart. I had a friend that used to say, and I love this, it's all falling apart. But from the world's perspective, but in God's perspective, it's all coming together. May that be our eyesight that we cannot... That can't be pseudo in us. We can't live inside of that, but for a short period of time, if it's done in our flesh. But by Christ, that's how he sees it. Our years are numbered, and they are so small. They are so small. And when we think of the conflict and the struggle that is inside of this such a small time frame, it feels like it is forever. It is not. It is 70, 80, 90. Oh, Lord, please help it not be 100 years for me. All right? In light of what? Eternity? Give him your day. Let him be the Lord of that which he has created. Let him walk you through that. Peter, in the next verse, gives a description of the one who has forgotten who they are in Christ. Verse 9 of that first chapter says this. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted. I so understand that word. Is so nearsighted that he is blind. Why? Having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. When we forget the truth that we are a new creation in Christ, we struggle with ongoing guilt and shame. Inside of relationships, inside of circumstances, it's guilt and shame. Guilt and shame that will rob us of everything that is the gift of the Lord inside of us. Be encouraged and let this be a definer for you that... The Holy Spirit never uses guilt and shame to bring about righteousness and put you on the right path. The Holy Spirit does not own a whip. He leads with kindness. He invites us to him to return to him in repentance. 
guilt and shame, when that is the voice in your heart, in your head, immediately know that is not him. Don't listen. And turn your ears and your eyes toward him. So we struggle with ongoing guilt and shame. Our lives seem to be without purpose. We're just floundering inside of this world. And our eyes see not from an eternal point of view, but from an earthly view. And when we see from an, this thought just hit me. When we see from an earthly view, it sets us up to sit on the throne and define everything that's going on around us in our lives and everyone else's. We do not sit on the throne. There is only one who does, and that's Jesus. And when we have an eternal view, we're able to accept the things that are very, very hard because we are trusting that he is working them all out for good. And we're going to let him do that and not have our help. And then Peter adds a strong therefore as a challenge in verse 10. He's doing this to diligently examine your life. And that's what we're doing today. This is what inspired this sermon today, that we would do that on this last day of this year to make sure that the life seen in the mirror is consistent with the Christ who lives in our heart. If we are born again, it will show in the way we live. Verse 10 says this, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never, what does it say? Fall. This leads us to our last question of the morning. Have you forgotten that this world is not your home? All my Southern gospel people, you can start singing a song now if you'd like to. Second Peter 1 verse 11 says this, For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The great reward of our salvation in Jesus will be fully realized upon our entering into his kingdom. This verse describes, when you break down those Greek words, this verse describes a welcome that's not like a welcome at Chick-fil-A or Walmart. Oh, they do a, a fantastic job. It is not that kind of a welcome. But instead, think of a lavish celebration given to a faithful friend. Think about a gold medalist returning home with a triumphant welcome. And I thought about that. I thought, wow, it feels like I should be the one that is the most excited. And I I know we will be. But the triumphant welcome is still what Christ has done. I am there because of him, right? It's not me busting up and going, here, you know, counter four, carries five. No, it is Christ says, welcome home. This world has not been your home. Welcome to the place you have longed for. And because you have desired to know me and my promises, and you've seen promises be fulfilled one after the other in your life, but you knew that there were still more, greater, precious promises that awaited welcome. Look, everything I said to you is true. 
And we're going to have to, on this side of that, we're going to have to live inside of that uncomfortableness of not knowing. But let the uncomfortableness in our heart, let the anticipation build. Let it grow that our hope is set like stone. When we forget this truth that this world is not our home, it becomes very evident in our lives. We treasure the lesser pleasures of this world. We have the desires of the flesh and fulfill them. We desire the things that our eyes see and we get them. And we have the pride of life and we fulfill it. But when we remember this truth, we treasure the eternal things found in Christ, in Christ alone. So as you placed that mirror in front of your countenance and your life, what do you see? Do you see areas that have gotten off course and are headed away from Christ? Today, if that's you, today don't turn back like you turned away one degree at a time. Don't just bow one knee and don't lift just one hand. Instead, love him with all of your heart. Give him every thought captured by his grace. Humble yourself completely before your Savior and Lord. Turn yourself fully back to Jesus. A year's worth of one degree movements can be course corrected with one moment of repentance and return. He doesn't require. Isn't that good news? Is that good news? Please tell me that's good news to you. But don't we want Jesus to be more of a way that makes us feel better about our own sin by making me pay what I feel to be an equal payment of that? If I were five days away from you, I need to have five days in prison and then we're all good. One moment. One honest heart's moment of repentance and turn to him redeems, forgives. Let 2024 be the year for you with your eyes wide open to his glory and his grace. And let faith walk in, walk with, and toward Jesus. Or did you see a reflection from the past year that affirms Christ's life in you? That he's alive and he's well in your life. Thank him. Thank him. Keep cooperating. Keep cooperating fully with Jesus to grow in faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Let these protect your heart from falling. Let these continue to grow Because of Christ in you, let your hunger and your thirst for his righteousness be your appetite instead of all the world offers. Let in 2024 your eyes see from heaven's view and your heart grow in the knowledge of him who sits on the throne. But there also may be some here today that for the very first time you realize I am a sinner 
who needs a savior. My heart is one that doesn't need improvement. I've tried that, but I need that new creation that you're talking about. I need a promise of a greater home than this world. To you, would you come to Jesus? Would you believe that you are one of the whosoevers that God so loved so much that he sent Jesus to die for your sins? He came to give you life. Come and talk with a pastor or a prayer counselor at the end of the service. That would be our greatest joy to talk to you about that. And as you wake up in the morning to January 1 and a new year begins, I just want to encourage you, hold fast, protect your heart, and grow in knowing these three truths. Say it with me. Salvation is a gift of God. You are a new creation in Christ. This world is not my home. I pray that these truths echo in your heart and mind every single day by his spirit's beckoning. And I have to say this. I can't wait for 365 days from now to see all that Jesus is doing in and through you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do come before you and we are so thankful. Well, that is our heart's cry right now is gratitude. Lord, you are God. You are our Savior and you are our Lord. And so in the simplicity of this moment, I just say thank you on behalf of all in here. I say thank you. And I pray the response of our heart would be one that would be pleasing to you. And whether we need to draw close to you and fall on our knees before you or raise both hands and just say, thank you, Lord. Praise to you, Lord. Or if this is the day that we come to salvation for the um, hearing it for the very first time and responding by faith. Lord, I just pray that your name would be remembered and your name